Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Sunday Wire radio show. I am your host, Patrick Kennington. We are streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 133 of this weekly program. I watched the White House uh, Correspondents' uh, Press Dinner last night. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. We're going to tear tear that to shreds uh, in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to go on a really uh, hard rant um, and play some clips from our dear leader and uh, other heroes of the media. And it just made me realize how detached. And it made, also made me realize when we talk about empire and we talk about it in a kind of, I don't know, like a chess match uh, sort of sporting match, historical sporting match sort of context. But you really get to understand what the empire is when you look at how ignorant people are and politicians and uh, members of the media and the press, how detached from reality they all are. They really don't care. They really don't, they don't know. They don't care. This is the mindset of the American elite they don't know, they don't care, and they couldn't give a you-know-what at the end of the day. All talk, lots of talk, uh, lots of pontificating, lots of high-minded, uh, pretending that you're smart sort of rhetoric. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are all presiding over a huge historical debacle. And they don't care who gets stuck under the tire treads of their steamroller to open up markets for useless American products like uh, uh, high fructose corn syrup, junk food, and everything else that's uh, that's cheap and cheerful. Because that's really what the empire is. The empire is designed to open up markets for its lousy products overseas. That's all they care about. Are they buying our products or are they buying Russian products? This is what it was in the Cold War. This is what it is today. Who's buying what from whom? That's all that matters. Everything else is a giant pile of steaming dung. Dressed up like it's, uh, I don't know, (laughs) like it's respectable. And I, I marveled last night at this annual event, the the, the, the White House or the Washington uh, Correspondents' Dinner. I don't know what to call it, really. And, and I listened to the president give this, and after he's done doing his acting, this is, this is a president who loves to be viewed as cute. He's got his little sunglasses on. He does his little spoof of Saturday Night Live videos. This guy has done more acting, more professional acting, while he's been in the White House than any other leader in the history. I mean, Ronald Reagan was a real actor. He didn't do half the amount of acting that this president does. It, it kind of brought the office of presidency down quite a few notches, down to the level of sort of cheap entertainer. This is what this president has done. This is, the, in my mind... This is the real legacy. I mean, I look at him strolling around in his aviator sunglasses doing pot jokes with Joe Biden and John Boehner. 
making spoof videos with a selfie stick. And then, and then, I, and then I look, <laughs> and two weeks ago, I see children, four, five years old, armies of them, wandering through traffic on the streets of Beirut, begging, and they're Syrian refugees who are there because of U.S. foreign policy, who are there because we are flooding the region with arms, cash, terrorist fighters, pretending to be fighting ISIS, pretending to be mounting a grand coalition, and creating millions of refugees, children begging on the streets for food, who are also falling prey to some of the worst criminal elements because of the policies rubber-stamped by this president who is strolling around with his selfie stick, wearing uh, Tom Cruise Top Gun glasses, trying out his acting career on taxpayer time. That's what this president is doing. I have no problem with him being an actor and doing stupid videos, but why don't you do it after you leave the White House? Why are you doing it on taxpayer time? It's sort of ridiculous, but it's something that, I don't know, I, I, I find it disturbing, but everyone else finds it kind of funny. And then the president gives this long-winded diatribe about how good of a job the mainstream media is doing and how valuable their contribution has been in getting the facts right at this dinner last night. It was shocking. Most people won't notice it because most people don't listen. They just sit there and wait for the laughs. They, they literally sit there looking to their right, looking to their left, waiting for someone to laugh so that that's their cue to laugh. These are all the uh, top bods from CNN, ABC, CBS, Washington Post, all the great media heroes. All the six, the six figure club or the seven figure club, sorry. No offense to the seven figure club or the eight figure club. Uh, certain, certain individuals. So well, I'm going to roll you audio clip number one. This is the president giving his last speech, uh, at the White House correspondence dinner junket and, uh, Leave this open because I'm going to I'm going to interrupt uh, our producer uh, during this clip and hit pause a few times because I just want to make some commentary along the way. But here he is, our dear leader on the state of the media in 2016. Roll it. At home and abroad, journalists like all of you engage in the dogged pursuit of informing citizens and holding leaders accountable and making our government of the people possible. And it's an enormous responsibility. And I realize it's an enormous challenge at a time when the economics of the business sometimes incentivize speed over depth, and when controversy and conflict are what most immediately attract readers and viewers. Uh, the good news is there's so many of you that are pushing against those trends. And as a citizen of this great democracy, I am grateful for that. For this is also a time around. Hold on, hold on for a minute. Now, 
so he's talking to the media, a room full of overpaid, underworked, under-researched media so-called professionals. And he's saying that they're pushing against the trends. They are creating the trends. What kind of an Orwellian doublespeak? Where do we start? Where do we start? The president is patronizing the public on national TV to a degree that requires sucking up to a room full of useless people who are literally sitting in that room who have some of the lowest rating shares imaginable. And it's not because of blogs on the Internet. It's because the news is so bad that people can't stand listening to it anymore. They lie so much that people can't take it anymore. That's why they tune out. If they were doing any real reporting, I would be glued to the TV. Trust me. And everybody I know would be the same. But they're not because they are that bad. Because they are covering for power rather than questioning power. Keep rolling that. Some of the fundamental ideals of liberal democracies are under attack. And when notions of objectivity and of a free press and of facts and of evidence uh, are trying to be undermined or in some cases ignored entirely. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. So this is a president whose secretary of state got up in front of the world and said that he had mountains of evidence that the Russians or Russian rebels shot down flight MH17, pushing the world to the brink of World War III on a mountain of lies, made-up YouTube videos, fake evidence. And, the, and CNN and everybody else was all too eager, New York Times, Washington Post, all too eager to run with those lies. All the people sitting in that room right there who the president's talking to, sucking up to. They ran with the whole litany of lies for MH17, and they're still sitting on it. No one's come up and say, oh, sorry, we got it wrong. No, they're sitting on it because the truth of MH17 doesn't fit the uh, policy objectives or the stratagem of the State Department or Washington or NATO, for that matter. Okay, there's those lies. Let's talk about Syria. And this this is a president who, in an interview, will say that Assad was using chemical weapons against his own people. That's a lie. I haven't seen the evidence of this. In fact, I'll play you a clip in a minute of the CIA director, John Brennan, saying the very same lie. And the, and the press, Chuck Todd, just sitting there, America's number one interviewer, Chuck Todd, sitting there and not questioning the CIA director about the facts of that statement. Just sit, they just roll over. Just roll over, oh my gosh, I'm here with the director. Oh, I can't challenge him, I can't interrupt him. Oh, what a great press. Oh, what a, what a great fourth estate we've got. The fourth estate is decaying to a degree where it's non-existent now. And still we have the president up here, like the emperor who has no clothes, telling, telling the, uh, 
telling all the serfs and the vassals that the media is just as good as it's ever been and oh they're they're upholding all the great standards of a democracy the press is a sham and they are covering for a government that are involved in unprecedented lies about major world events so what i see there is this cozy collusion between the lapdog media and a government that just, quite frankly, doesn't really care. Go ahead and roll. Climate, uh, it's not enough just to give people a, a megaphone. And that's why your power and your responsibility to dig and to question and to counter distortions and untruths is more important than ever. Taking a stand on behalf of what is true does not require you shedding your objectivity. In fact, it is the essence of good journalism. It affirms the idea that the only way we can build consensus, the only way that we can move forward as a country, the only way we can help the world mend itself is by agreeing on a baseline of facts when it comes to the challenges that confront us all. Okay, so okay, okay. So, so, so there, there, here's the agenda right here. Okay. Comrade Obama just gave gave the game away right there. He said the media need to establish a baseline of facts that we can all agree on. A consensus, he just said it. A consensus. Since when does press and media and reporting require a consensus? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm way off base here. But isn't press reporting... Watchdogging isn't the isn't that the antithesis of consensus? It's about finding the thing that that people won't agree with. It's about finding the thing that is un, totally unpopular that most people will not print or say because they're too afraid of losing access to this wonderful black tie dinner every year or a seat on Air Force One because that, my friends, is how Washington really works. And what we saw last night is just a, 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 a theatrical performance that reinforces the fraudulent relationship and the fakery of mainstream media and big government. Roll it. Tonight is a testament to all of you who've devoted your lives to that idea, who push to shine a light on the truth every single day. Uh, so I want to close my final White House Correspondents' Dinner by just saying thank you. Um, I'm very proud of what you've done. It has been an honor and a privilege to work side by side with you to strengthen our democracy. And with that, I just have two more words to say. Obama out. Oh, okay. Well done. All right. President Obama delivering his final address at his final White House Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, in some ways, it was like, you know, the end of the Godfather movies, right? Settling all the scores, knocking off the of all the five families. He hit everyone uh, in this speech, starting with Hillary Clinton oh, right out of the gate. Okay. Uh, okay. I... I it's, it's kind of a joke. So the, the, the press strengthening democracy... What, what a great role they've played. They all sit there and applaud. 
Uh, great job done. Another year. Gosh, we managed to fool the public, or at least enough of them anyway, for 12 months. We'll try it again this year. That's kind of how the ritual works. So, you know, it's, I don't know where to start, but uh, <laughs> this this press, the reason that president's standing there is because the press haven't held him to account or anything, any of the things that have happened over the last eight years. They, they make jokes. They made at least two or three jokes last night about how Obama hasn't closed Guantanamo. And he sat there and campaign, campaigned and won, won the election, won the millennials in 2008, if you remember, saying the first thing he'll do in office is close Guantanamo Bay. He lied. He lied. Is Guantanamo Bay closed? Would that, be, would that have been a hard thing to do? I don't think so. He didn't do it because he can't. He couldn't even if he wanted to, and even if he wanted to and he could, he still wouldn't. Because he is part of the machine, and he has always been part of the machine. Otherwise, it would have been closed. But this is the ritual in America. You campaign, you lie, you tell as many lies as you can to get elected. And this president is typifies this as much as any other president. Just like George Bush. No nation building. We're not going to get involved in nation building. And of course, that's all George Bush was involved in during his tenure was nation building. And this president, current president Obama has, has started more wars, has, has more sort of wars and conflicts going on the docket maybe than any other president in history, if you count them all up, covert and overt. And he's standing there because the media never wanted to hold him account for one second. They love the acting, they're enthralled by the performance, and so they let him run roughshod over everything. And that is the story of this president, in my opinion. So, so let, let me give you, here, here's another example. This is uh, Oliver North. This is a guy who should be in some federal prison somewhere. He should be in Gitmo for his role in the Iran-Contra affair. But instead, he's hailed as a great American, and he's paid incredible sums of money to basically produce propaganda films now. So Oliver North had a, a, a special about ISIS last night. It was on Fox. And then he arranges these panels of experts. I don't know the name of this one expert, but uh, she, so he's talking about ISIS and, oh, the fighters coming through Turkey. And, oh, what a problem it is. And what do we do about that? But this, here's a good example of the sort of uh, impotent uh, charade of of media and and how they can run actual run real propaganda films on mainstream primetime television. Audio clip number four. Here's Oliver North's ISIS special last night. Listen to this. We have allies in the Middle East that will help us, not the Europeans, not NATO, but allies in the Middle East that can be helpful to us in this fight. Jordan has been a good partner in this fight. Israel has been a good partner in this fight. Uh, the United Arab Emirates has been a good partner in this fight. 
Another country that should be a partner in the fight against ISIS is a NATO member. Turkey is a part of the effort to address the flow of foreign fighters, yet the vast majority of foreign fighters are flowing through Turkey. So they just need to okay. do more. I think we lost that we lost that audio clip. So just just to rephrase that clip. So this is this expert. She's saying, oh, well, uh, you know, the majority of foreign fighters are, are flowing through Turkey. And then she says, I quote, we and, and you know what? Turkey really needs to do more about that. And then they move on to the next topic. So what they're doing there is right in front of your face, in front of 20 million people. They're basically mentioning the problem and then steamrolling over it, glossing over it, covering for Turkey. Because you and I know Turkey is the problem. Turkey is the enabler of ISIS. There would be no ISIS if not for Turkey. That's a fact. That's not debatable. It's undeniable. The evidence is overwhelming. And no one in that media organization or any others will challenge that statement by that so-called expert. Turkey needs to do more. Move on. And then next subject. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. So here's our... I want to play this last one before we take a break um, and try to connect our next guest. But uh, this is this is Chuck Todd interviewing John Brennan. And again, leave an open mic on this clip because I'm going to interrupt it. So this is the head of the CIA whose job is really public relations. So this is the head of a so-called covert uh, department, super secret department, the biggest, most powerful, most well-funded intelligence apparatus on the planet. And he goes on TV and essentially he's doing PR because this is the new strategy of the CIA to be a kinder, gentler organization, to reach out and touch the public more. And to be more, quote, accessible. So here he is. And what he's going to say is just astounding, you know. So this is propaganda in the 21st century way, in the 2.0 way. This is kinder, gentler, more sensitive propaganda. Audio clip five. Here's Chuck Todd and CIA director John Brennan. Go ahead and roll it. Failure to see ISIS, the rise of ISIS, as quickly. Was it an intelligence failure? And I ask it this way. Remember, the president one time referred to them as the JV team. And obviously they're not the JV team anymore. And that's since been a remark I think that he regrets and he says was taken a little bit out of context. But was that because the intelligence he was getting seemed to downplay the importance of ISIS at the time? Well, ISIS comes from al-Qaeda in Iraq, which has been around for the last 10, 15 years. And what we need to do is... Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so this is the, did I just hear that right? Did you pick that up, anybody out there? Any of our thousands of listeners listening right now? That's the CIA director, John Brennan, just said Al-Qaeda in Iraq has been around for about 10 or 15 years. So 15 years, let's let's think about this for a minute. Al-Qaeda in Iraq, which is, he says is the, is the main source of, of ISIS, I think that's debatable, by the way. It's a nice academic thesis, but uh, it doesn't stand up to real scrutiny. It's not that simple. And the leader is not al-Baghdadi. Okay. Now, he just said al-Qaeda in Iraq has been around for 15 years, he just said. So that means in two th- he's, according to our CIA director, al-Qaeda in Iraq has been around 
since 2001. Really? Is that a fact? And it makes, when I hear things like that, which are quite incomprehensible, it makes me question, does this guy not know what he's talking about, or does he know what he's talking about, but he's giving us a line of bull? I don't know which is which. When I hear a statement like that, Al-Qaeda in Iraq's been around since 2001? Really? Is that right? Huh. That's interesting. That's a new one. Let me make a note. Go ahead and roll. And that ISIL took advantage of a lot of opportunities inside of both Iraq and Syria. The fact that... Are they opportunities that we gave them? Well, I think there are opportunities that uh, presented themselves inside of both those countries. When we see that President Bashar Assad was carrying out these horrific attacks against his citizens as part of this Arab Spring and was using chemical weapons, this is something that extremists and terrorists seized upon. Mm-hmm. So I think... Okay, ISIS okay. Was- okay so, so there you have, the, again, the CIA director doing public relations, pushing a propaganda line that's it's clearly a U.S. State Department talking point that's basically the most tired and worn-out talking point that Bashar al-Assad was using chemical weapons against his own people, and that encouraged the terrorists and inspired ISIS. Okay? If, if, if anything, the lie that cascaded through Western media, that's the only thing, that's the only evidence of, of, of Assad using chemical weapons against his own people was, was Western media coverage and fake intelligence uh, uh, assertions coming out of... Uh, yeah, one of the alphabet soup agencies at the Brookings Institute or whoever. That's where the, that's where the reality comes from. The reality is made up out of thin air. It's put out over the wires to people like Wolf Blitzer who don't even question it. Or all the guys on Fox and ABC and CBS, they run with it and the, and the Washington Post and the New York Times. They run with the lie. And uh, so if some if some lowly low level ISIS foot soldier happens to see that and believe it, well, it didn't come from reality. It came from the U.S. media or the U.S. State Department or John Kerry or whoever else is punting the lies around in Britain or the U.S. or wherever. A total ring of propaganda. Unbelievable. And and all the while, what's interesting about. John Brennan here, <clears throat> at no point does he say that anything the U.S. has done, like like invade, occupy, and level, and kill uh, a million Iraqis, that that didn't have any uh, any part in inspiring and helping in the recruitment of uh, terrorist foot soldiers. That that wouldn't have anything to do with that. Of course, I guess not, John. I guess not. Or the corruption. He talks about, oh, the corruption in Iraq... That wouldn't have anything to do with uh, the pallets full of shrink-wrapped cash flown in on C-130s, dropped in the green zone, and then handed out like like Skittles, piles of cash, buying uh, military leaders in Iraq, buying off generals, soldiers, colonels, or or buying buy, purchasing the new uh, so-called Iraqi police force or army. The amount of money coming from the West, where I, if you want to be in the Iraqi security services, you have to buy your way in. In other words, you got to pay someone at the government to get in, because once you get in, it's pretty much a blank check from foreign uh, cash aid. 
that's coming in to build up these so-called security forces, a system totally created and financed by the United States. Do you think that might have something to do with the corruption? Perhaps, maybe, pray tell? I don't know. Well, I do know. Of course it does. Go ahead and roll. Is able to use those instances, whether it be in Syria or Iraq, and, and uh, abuses and corruption on the part of these governments to uh, appeal to a broad swath of people. And so it, uh, it gained strength very quickly, uh, quicker than we thought. Is it, I guess when we, when we look at this, I wonder this, if we just, let's say we get al-Baghdadi, and let's say we destroy ISIS the same way we got bin Laden and we destroy al-Qaeda. Does something else just rise in its place? I okay, think that's okay, 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 okay. So there's Chuck Todd, again, who was at the press uh, correspondence dinner, our, our greatest media person in, in, in the United States, I'm told, every day anyway. And, and he says the level of his conversation with the CIA director is, let's suppose we get al-Baghdadi like we got bin Laden. Okay, this is the level of Team America, okay? The guys who write Team America, who do South Park, those guys, they're, they're comedy writers, okay? This is the level they work on. This is, they pitch to that sixth grade reading level, okay? That's the level of the humor. So they characterize geopolitics on a sixth grade level. This is for 10, 11-year-olds. And this is what Chuck Todd, who's the top media guy in America, is doing, Let's get Baghdadi. Suppose we get Baghdadi. Suppose we get Bin Laden. They're talking to you like children. So instead of challenging the CIA director on a number of things he said is actually not factual, Chuck Todd rolls over and he's playing the Team America game. Wow, I think I'm going to go rent Team, I'm going to get the Team America DVD after the show. And watch that because that's that that's more hard hitting than CBS. Go ahead and roll. Public thinks now at this point that there's no getting rid of these terrorists. That when you get rid of one organization, another one's going to sprout up. Well, I think a lot of these organizations uh, have sprouted up for a variety of reasons. One is that there is evil that uh, is manifest in the leadership of these uh, these groups. Uh, and so they want to just destroy and kill and maim just for the sake of doing it. But also there's a lot of problems in many parts of the world that the terrorists have taken advantage of. Endemic corruption, the lack of, of good governance, the, the lack of economic opportunity, the uh, lack of, of government over different parts of the country where terrorists have been able to go and burrow in and have training camps and be able to launch attacks outside. So although the counterterrorism community has a very important obligation to try to prevent these attacks. Okay, hold on, hold on. You're talking about terrorist training camps. You mean like, John, like the ones in Turkey? You're talking maybe like those ones? Well, what about the ones in Jordan? These are two U.S. allies. What about the what about the the mercenary training camps in Israel? Another U.S. ally. So there's your terrorist training camps: Turkey, Jordan, Israel. U.S. allies. One of those is a NATO country, Turkey. That would be of some concern to me. Then I would be thinking, well, maybe the problems on our side of the coalition. Maybe we are the problem. That that's if I was Chuck Todd, if I was the great media hero who's getting paid six million dollars a year, that's the questions I would be asking the CIA director there. But instead, no, roll over like a puppy 
who's about to be tossed a dog biscuit. Roll it. We need to give the diplomats and government officials, both here in this country and in other countries, the time and space they need to address some of these underlying factors and conditions that facilitate and contribute to the growth of these organizations. I, I understand. So what should be the U.S. role in this? Because we're having a big debate in this country. It's like how more involved, less involved. And I think the president's tried both. Oh, you big could debate. He made a decision not to militarily get involved in Syria at a time when he, when he decided not to follow through on the red line. Whoa, whoa, but then okay, made- okay, okay. Sorry, Chuck. F. Chuck Todd. Uh, he said Obama made a choice not to get involved military in Syria. So this is, this is Orwellian newspeak. We are in 1984. What do you mean made a choice not to get involved military in Syria? Are we not flooding the, are we not spending billions of dollars flooding that country with illicit arms, tow missiles, guns, man pads? We're sending cash, material support to terrorist groups who are using chemical weapons against civilians. And we're running airstrikes and arguably, I'm sorry, running air cover, providing air cover for ISIS or or al-Nusra front. They marched into Palmyra, I'm sorry. They marched into Palmyra on open roads driving U.S. Toyota pickup trucks to take Palmyra last May. All the while, we're supposedly running airstrikes, the coalition, to fight ISIS. It's a total sham. Shame on you, Chuck Todd. Roll it. ...decision to get involved in Libya. He regrets Libya, doesn't regret Syria. What does this say about what the U.S. role has to be in creating stability in the Middle East? I think what it says is that the Middle East is going through a very difficult and complex period of its history. There are a number of, of trends that are underway that uh, economic, political, cultural, sectarian, and a lot of these very repressed uh, sentiments and tensions are now manifesting themselves. Um, authoritarian regimes have been in place in a number of these countries. You mentioned Libya and Syria and Iraq. And so now a lot of the problems that were never addressed during these authoritarian regimes are, are coming to the fore. And the terrorist groups... And extremist whoa, groups whoa, are- okay, okay. So Libya is a collapsed state. It doesn't exist as a functioning nation. What are you talking about, author- authoritarian? You're blaming Libya for the authoritarian regime? He's saying, oh, it was going to collapse anyway. So we just sort of sped up the process, which is essentially what John Brennan started say, it will, will be saying there to finish off his thoughts. And, oh, Obama regrets Libya. Oh, that somehow makes it okay. And, and, and so Todd tries later to say that, well, don't you think the migrant crisis is partly a result of the collapse of Libya causing a migrant corridor through a, country, a state that's no longer? And, uh, and, and, and basically, Brennan says, well, not really, because Gaddafi would have collapsed himself anyway. That's not true. That's not true at all. We entered Libya. The whole thing was a lie. UN Resolution 1973, I believe. Gaddafi was gunning down his own people with his air force. You, you know, imagine air, air jets firing on the streets, right? Uh, shooting down uh, peaceful protesters with banners. Uh, it didn't happen. It was a lie. Just like half the things Susan Rice said about Gaddafi issuing Viagra pills to his soldiers who were going out on rape fests. That was our own Susan Rice 
said that, I believe. Am I wrong? Go ahead and look it up. So just one lie after another. And here they are trying to steamroll, pave over history, wax it over as if it never happened and as if they're not responsible for any of the mayhem that has ensued. If you want stability in the Middle East, then the U.S. is, if, when the U.S. withdraws from the Middle East, that when that day comes, there will be stability in the Middle East. But as long as the U.S. has got its hooks in the way it does in the dirty wars that it's funding, backing with its allies, like Saudi Arabia, like Israel, like Turkey, then there will be no stability ever in the Middle East, ever. It will be permanently unstable. And look look at how involved we've been in the last how many decades, and look at it. It's a disaster. And it's a disaster because of U.S. involvement, period. End of story. And it's also a disaster because of Israel's role in creating uh, a lot of bad will for its subjugation of the native Palestinian population. And that's another thing that will never be mentioned by Chuck Todd or, 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 to, or put to the CIA director because that's off limits. Can't talk about Israel, no matter what Israel does. In a nutshell, this is the problem with this conversation. I could play you the rest of this clip, but it's ridiculous. And we're going to take a commercial break and connect our next guest. (sighs) Incredible. We're going to take a short commercial break and connect our next guest, Vanessa Bealey. And we've got a real bombshell of a story we're going to break for you in a minute. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. This is the Sunday Wire. Stay right there. (laughs) 